G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Turning our attention today to biblical wisdom as difficult times come upon Australia. We might even say as difficult times are upon the whole world. Of all people, Christians are often familiar with the concept of global chaos as a necessary precursor to developments we might read about in biblical prophecy that characterizes the end times. Well, there are monumental changes in the world today. If we believe the news headlines, the main story is the COVID pandemic and the distress of losing life and livelihoods. But what of the changing power balance in the world with the rise of an aggressive China and the threat of world war? What of the changing ideological worldviews fueling the rise of tyranny, the emergence of cultural Marxism and the culture wars? What about the rising racial tensions and the altered definitions of marriage and family and the lack of concern about the value of human life? Then there's the rise of persecution that comes with the end of religious freedom. We can identify danger ahead, but what's the source of all this distress? These are the sorts of things we'll talk about over this coming hour with a guest who's well known to so many listeners, Dr. Camille Majdali, who leads Teach All Nations. Now, you'll know Camille from our weekday segment, Faith and the Future, and from the Understanding the Times tours around Australia that have been interrupted by COVID, and there is an online event coming a little later this year. But let me make a special welcome back, and very early in the morning for Camille, who's joining us live from the UK. Camille, welcome back to 2020. Well, thank you, Neil, and God bless Australia. And I uh, might say, Camille, uh, there you are. It's very early morning, something like one thirty in the morning for you. And in the UK, emerging from lockdowns, how has your experience been in what's been going on in the UK? Well, of course, I'm very delighted to get out of <laughs> town. <laughs> and uh, I've already packed in a couple of holidays in the UK, of course, they called it Freedom Day, and it was uh, it was almost like New Year's Eve, the celebration, the countdown to Freedom Day, because uh, it, yes, there were two major lockdowns in a year, and they lasted for months. So in that time, we could go out for exercise or go to the supermarket or something, but you know, basically, we were bound. Uh, of course, I had to and did adapt doing much of my work uh, at home office. But yeah, it, it's been incredible experience, Neil. And uh, fortunately for me, I was with family, my wife, my uh, daughter, her family. Yeah, we were together. So I wasn't missing the grandkids in the same way so many have. But it's good to be out and about once again. The only thing, unlike previous normal times, is I haven't 
been out of the country for over, almost a year and a half, which is unusual for me. I travel internationally every month. So that was an adjustment. And I'm not sure when I'll get my first overseas trip. I could go somewhere, but I'm just waiting to see when you can go somewhere and they don't make you quarantine nor make you take high-priced COVID tests. So that's where we're at at the moment. Okay, and no doubt there'll be many a listener today who knows the idea and can anticipate that idea of Freedom Day and especially Sydney Siders today and those listeners in Melbourne who are out of lockdown now and experiencing a little bit of freedom uh, and still some restrictions, but uh, certainly uh, into Queensland now. All sorts of lockdowns are happening. The idea... Camille, getting straight into the conversation that we want to have over this coming time, the link between lockdowns and all of our freedoms, including the idea of religious freedom. As you say, everybody's celebrating. It's like a New Year's Eve feeling when there's Freedom Day, but Freedom Day in contrast to what are quite severe lockdowns, and there might be all sorts of other reasons behind those. What are your thoughts with this link between lockdowns and even this idea of religious freedom that's a great question neil and i I have some pretty strong feelings i do believe there has been abuse of lockdown privilege i won't name names or anything where some who have i'm talking about political figures and i'm not talking about australia only i'm talking about throughout the western world where they've taken this crisis and used it for an advantage to uh, advance a political agenda. So, for example, in the United States, which is meant to have very robust religious freedom protections, especially in the Constitution, there were some draconian lockdowns where churches could not meet, but it's okay to crowd a Walmart, a Costco, or even to protest with no social distancing. That was perfectly okay. But to go to church? No, no, you can't do that. You're breaching guidelines. And in the United States, one of the best examples of fighting back for religious freedom was the Harvest Rock Church in Los Angeles, Pastor Cheon. He took the California Governor Gavin Newsom, I believe, all the way way to the Supreme Court, <laughs> and then it got pushed back to the local court, and he, he won the case. They were able to reopen church, not just his church, and not just in California, but apparently it was meant to have national ramifications. But I'm telling you, Cheon is a gutsy man. He had to put up with threats of being arrested, imprisoned, for what? Wanting to go to church. Of course, in Australia, we face a very different challenge, and that is we technically don't have anything in law to protect us from being harassed by going to church. And that's why I'll take this moment and urge our listeners to contact your local representatives, your senator, your uh, parliamentarian, about the Religious Discrimination Bill. Religious Discrimination Bill, ACL, is urging people to call their representatives, and I would add my voice to that, because it's time we codify religious freedom in Australia. As you say, other Western nations, uh, like the US uh, and Canada, they have a charter of rights. 
some level of religious protection, some level of freedom in law. But as you say, in Australia, we don't have that. And uh, we like to think of ourselves as being free, but there aren't these historic protections and so we aren't really protected at all and they're working walking a tightrope uh, with this uh, religious discrimination bill and it's not even out yet because they're trying to satisfy every side and they won't be able to uh, the idea here that while there are other western nations ahead of us you can't take for granted that we're going to always maintain the sorts of freedoms we've been used to camille no you can't take for granted and that's why it is important to uh, codify the freedoms that we have. The, the, by the way, you can have it codified and still have abuse, but at least you have something to fight back with. And uh, fight we may need to do, but we have seen an alarming erosion of freedom, of religion happening in the Western world. And Canada has been absolutely notorious, particularly the province of Alberta, which ironically... I understand, is run by a conservative party. Now, it's not unusual for left-of-center parties, especially if they claim to be progressive, to be more coercive in a time of emergency and crisis. But when you're getting right-of-center parties being virtually just as coercive, then you kind of scratch your head. That's why, for example, in Israel, under the former Prime Minister Netanyahu, or in the United Kingdom under Boris Johnson. These are leaders of right-of-center parties, but they've had very, very uh, draconian lockdowns nevertheless. And uh, the one in Israel was astounding. I actually was in Israel when they started locking down, leading a tour. I'm just grateful my tour had finished completely before everything closed down. So uh, there is a very interesting and challenging situation, Neil, that we all face. But rather than being laid back and she'll be right, mate, friends, we've got to wake up and take action to preserve our freedoms. Allegedly, COVID in some instances in Canada, Camille, where burning churches, uh, jailing pastors has become some level commonplace. Any thoughts around developments there in Canada and connections there over lockdowns and I guess the lockdown connection is when a church says uh, we don't want to be dictated to by the state as to whether believers can gather together and meet for worship Uh, so this idea burning churches jailing pastors any thoughts there oh where do I start Neil (laughs) it is positively outrageous for there's a there's a Coptic people from Egypt who left Egypt because being persecuted as a Copt or as a Christian is very much par for the course. So they migrate to Canada. They build a church in the very gracious city of Vancouver. Or, or the Vietnamese refugees escaping tyranny in Vietnam to come to Canada, and they build a church there. Both of them had their churches burnt to the ground by a wave of church burnings. It's only happened since June. Something like 45 churches in Canada have been vandalized, and 10 of them have been torched to the ground. The reason this is happening has to do with the media, and the media taking an issue which was not a new issue, not an unknown issue, and that's the death of children who had been trained in schools, religious schools, Anglican 
and mostly Catholic. And this is, we're talking about turn of the century, 19th century, in what is called unmarked graves. And there is a difference, Neil, between unmarked graves and mass graves. They were not mass graves. They were unmarked graves. And this was not a new discovery. They've known about it for years. Canadian government a while ago apologized for it. But the media fueled it as if it was a new discovery. And the vandals used this as a pretext to light on fire or to vandalize churches. Now, to the credit of the tribal leaders, they said, we don't believe in this violence, don't do it. But it really has been a cloak for anti-Christian prejudice. They had, get this, the, uh, what do you call it, was it the human rights leader in British Columbia actually declare, burn them down, with no censure. And the, um, either the media is fueling an outrage, which really shouldn't be there, or in the United States, the media was absolutely silent about what is happening in Canada, except for, of course, surprise, surprise, Tucker Carlson and Shannon Bream of Fox. They highlighted it, but they stood alone in all this. That's why uh, we really need to have robust religious freedom, laws, and we need to see they're enforced. So this idea of a trigger issue, and as you say, this resulted in Canada and uh, unmarked graves and uh, the assumption there that uh, people in church-run homes had uh, simply buried children in the backyard sort of thing. This idea of a trigger issue that can turn the public against the church. And so without religious freedom in legislation, uh, we're actually sitting ducks because there are those who are wanting to fuel that sort of controversy against churches even here in Australia. Is that your thought? I think that is the danger we all face. It would be kind of like taking the stolen generation situation and using that as an excuse to light churches, having the media in a sense, cheer them on because what an injustice and shame on the church and having law enforcement either very slow or non-existent to protect, it would be a dreadful situation. But can we honestly say it wouldn't happen in Australia? I think we'd be uh, very naive. Hopefully it would never happen, but we need to be vigilant, Neil. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Dr. Camille Majdali is our guest from Teach All Nations. We're talking about a, a very interesting issue and perhaps it's a preliminary discussion because there are some things that we're speculating about but there is connection to what's been happening around the world could those things happen in australia you might like to respond our talk back line open on 1-800-316-316 you can respond to our facebook question do you think there is a link between covid lockdowns and the demise of religious freedom Camille, there's some things that are developing in Australia right now, and listeners to this program will be familiar with conversations about the conversion therapy laws that are already in place in Victoria. They come into effect next February. There'll be penalties, including a 10-year jail term, all sorts of dreadful penalties, and it seems to be particularly aimed at the church 
because it's the church who would be trying to dissuade people from making decisions about their life that might cause them to be you know, in under medical care for their entire lifetime or uh, around issues of unwanted same-sex attraction. You've been following that along, and that's potentially one of those trigger points where people could very easily turn against the church. Well, of course, indeed, that's what our concern is. When I spoke to you about Canada just recently here, uh, what we're seeing is that it was a leftist attempt not a tribal attempt to besmirk the church using the well-known situation of the graves as a cloak for their anti-Christian hatred. In Australia, we not only at current time have no codified religious protection freedoms, we now have either past legislation or legislation being proposed for passage that would criminalize prayer, specific kind of prayer, I have never, to be honest, in my life heard about criminalizing prayer in a Western country for any reason. And so, for example, in Victoria, where I come from, they have passed the religious conversion therapy ban, which would criminalize prayer for the unwanted same-sex attractions, either by fine or by imprisonment. Now, they claim, and I, look, I've tried to be fair in this and, and actually read the legislation and all that. It, technically speaking, they're not criminalizing the teaching from the Bible, even if it uh, goes against the current culture, but just the specific prayer for individuals. Now, the point is, with the Victorian legislation or proposed Queensland legislation for euthanasia, my concern is, even if the provisions are a little bit vague or general. That is incredibly dangerous because it can be interpreted by a prosecutor pretty much any way they want. I just think bringing prayer into criminal law is a big concern, and I've never heard of it until the Victorian legislation. So, friends, whoever you may be thinking, if you value religious freedom, it really is time to see what's happening, pray, and then take the appropriate action. The good thing is Australia is still a democracy, and people can really have a say, but they need to be vocal about it. Even And by the way, I heard this from a politician. Calling up the local member is probably the most effective thing you do. It only takes 60 seconds. But calling them up is even more effective than letters, and emails. Letters are good. Emails are better than nothing. But calling or visiting is important. But I think calling is much easier, to be honest, than (laughs) trying to get a visit and an appointment. Just enough people do that, the politicians will get the message. And freedom can be protected. Quick explanation on those legislation issues in Victoria. You mentioned the conversion therapy ban. That's already law, comes into effect in February next year. In Queensland, uh, for listeners, there's a similar circumstance developing there where the Christian practice of Christian council would, as I understand it, uh, be criminalised with the euthanasia bill that's to be voted on in September where you would not be allowed to counsel 
a suicidal person not to pursue euthanasia. Now, uh, you might like to check into that, uh, get a copy of the bill, read where those uh, clauses and those provisions in the bill are actually saying that, if you want to convince yourself uh, if that's what the bill is really saying. But uh, those sorts of things coming into effect in Australian law uh, make us really concerned. This idea, she'll be right, mate. Uh, that is a something that Christians tend to have been a part of here too. Surely that couldn't happen in Australia, Camille. You're saying uh, don't be too sure about that because it's happening in other nations in the Western world where they've got legislated religious freedom. Uh, so let's take some calls. Uh, 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's take a call. Steve is in Parks in New South Wales. Hi, Steve. Welcome along. Yeah, good day, uh, Brother Neil and Brother Con- uh, Camille. I hope you're both well and... Obviously, you're both strong in the faith. I believe there is a connection, and I do go on about this. I believe what's at the heart of it is godless communism, wanting to, they call themselves socialist or fascist, it's all the same. They want to derail Western democracies, the, the uh, anti-vaxxers. They want to derail um, uh, va- the vaccine programs to inoculate the world against this awful flu virus. They want to uh, infiltrate the school system to destroy the education system. And I thank God for, the, for both of you and a great evangelist called Dr. Chuck Missler who did an audio CD called The Armour for the Age of Deceit. And I was wondering what Brother uh, Camille's position is on the full armour of God so that Christians worldwide can make a stand against this awful, godless communism. Steve, we'll get a thought from Camille in just a moment. Just to uh, clarify, some of those uh, comments you made around vaccines, uh, they go against the typical narrative that we'll hear from the government. So just acknowledging that. But Camille, uh, your thoughts, uh, the armour of God and the challenge of this rising godlessness, whether you call it communism or socialism or uh, these culture war issues. What are your thoughts for Steve? Okay, Steve, well, thank you for your comments. First of all, we uh, live in an age of increasing deception, and this is very much part of the last day scenario. The very first thing Jesus told his disciples when they asked about the end of the age, he said, see that no man deceive you. If ever there's a time to put on the whole armor of God and exercise the spiritual gift of discernment, Now is that time. When we understand what the problem is and why the problem is, then we're halfway towards a solution. We we can call it communism, we can label it fascism, we can label whatever we like, but there is an anti-God slash anti-Christ spirit in our world today. And it can be defeated. It is not insurmountable. But it takes an awakened, prayerful, and, dare I say it, activist church. We're not talking about being politically active in every sphere and everything. We're talking about fighting for faith and, where necessary, fighting for family. Because if we lose faith and family, what kind of future do we have? So I would, first of all, say that it's the deception that's out there that is very, very potent. We need to confront it with God's truth, found through Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God, But in addition to all that, 
let's get our facts. Let's meet with or deal with the people at hand, especially our political leaders, but not necessarily limited just to them. And let's, how should I say it, if you wake up when the house is first on fire, you have a great chance of putting out the fire and preserving the house. But if you smell the smoke but roll over and try to go back to sleep, of course, then it's far more dangerous. Now, you'll know Camille from our regular weekday segment called Faith in the Future and from the Understanding the Times tours around Australia. They've been interrupted by COVID. Camille would love to be back on Australian soil for one of those special tours. But at the present time, there is a designated night, the 7th of October, for the Understanding the Times tour online. This year, Reset or Revival, 7th of October, you're able to register to be a part of that online. Just quickly, Camille, before we take some more calls on our topic today, you've got the Understanding the Times tour online event. Uh, What should we anticipate this year? We should anticipate that, first of all, there'll be a probing look at what's happening today. Now, you did a brilliant summary of all the challenges just a moment ago, Neil. Almost took my thunder away (laughs) with all that you said. But we'll not just look at what's happening. Understand the Times looks at why it's happening, the, the source by it. And it's not conspiracy theories or outlandish ideas. It's actually what is happening. But undergirding this is not just helping people understand the times, but to give a prophetic message of hope. This is not a pessimistic presentation. It's a realistic presentation, but there's things that Christians and only Christians, people of faith, can do. And when we understand the empowerment God gives us scripturally and by the Holy Spirit, and that we can make a difference in the welfare of the nation, that should be very exhilarating rather than depressing. So revival ultimately in one sense is God's choice, but there's a choice we make to go the way of revival because revival is really, revival and reformation I should say, the the only solutions we have to the myriad of problems that we currently face. And uh, very interesting. We could talk lots more about that, but let's come back to our topic. And if you'd like to respond, talk back line open, 1-800-316-316. There's also a Facebook question you can respond to on the Vision Facebook page. Do you think there is a link between COVID lockdowns and the demise of religious freedom? Let's take a call. Jenny is in Western Australia. Hi, Jenny. Welcome. Good morning. How are you? Well, Jenny, what are your thoughts for our conversation? Um, well, I was having a look at online because um, I'm following um, Australian Christian Lobby. Yep. And Martin Niles came to WA to do a few talks at different venues. And he was banned. He was banned. And I was absolutely horrified when I found this out. You see... My family used to attend church with Mark McGowan and his family and, uh, and his in-laws, his wife's mum and dad, and they still attend church. And in fact, they were at my mother-in-law's funeral earlier this year. So for me, that was quite eye-opening 
and I want to know what's going on. And just the story behind what you're sharing there, Jenny, of course, uh, this was a major controversy, and uh, you might be across that also, Camille, but just this last couple of weeks, uh, there was a uh, denial of uh, renting access at some taxpayer-funded uh, state-owned venues in Perth and in Albany, and uh, the ACL uh, were denied access because they didn't agree with the views of the Western Australian government. And Jenny, uh, an interesting uh, thought there about the church-going nature of politicians, and uh, you've included their families. And let's not let's not uh, throw a bucket of cold water on the idea that these may be people of faith. But Camille, a thought or two here for Jenny, because things are changing, and Christians appear to be the ones who are in the firing line when there is a denial of access to even taxpayer-funded uh, uh, organisations. Uh, um, uh, venues uh, when they want to have a Christian meeting. Uh, any thoughts here for, for Jenny? Well, first of all, I was aware that there was the banning of the ACL meeting in WA, but I understood that ban had was then reversed and they were allowed to have the meeting. Can yes, you bring uh, me up to speed on that? Yes. Uh, in fact, only just very quickly after the complaint that came from the ACL, in my understanding, they reversed that. Uh, but it doesn't discount the idea that only two days after coming to power in the landslide victory in the WA election that they made that ruling, that people who were against the views of the WA government uh, would not be able to access those venues. So yes, there was a backflip. Uh, it was overturned. We'll assume that that's uh, all going to hold in good stead for now. The disturbing thing is that that was a ruling that the WA government made when they had that landslide victory. Uh, Camille. Okay, well, look, where do I begin? I believe that what's happening may or may not be coordinated as far as opposing the church or using crisis as a cloak to, again, go against the welfare of the church. It may or may not be coordinated, but I can say this, there is a spiritual opposition that's been there from day one, and we need to recognize it. Uh, it's a spirit of Antichrist, and I'm not saying just the Antichrist, but John spoke about it in his epistle of 1 John, uh, that many Antichrists have come. So there is that uh, element. There is some coordinated global attempt to impose leftist ideology, and of course the church is the greatest opponent of leftist ideology. As leftist ideology, in its extreme, basically wants to replace God with human institutions, the government or what have you, want to replace private property, want to replace family. And of course, who stands for all these things? God and family and the rest is, of course, the church, the greatest op opponent to such an agenda. So if we're aware of that, not everybody is functioning consciously in that realm, but it is a thing. And I must say, I understand in Western Australia that the McGowan government, before their landslide re-election, had taken on, especially the premier, some very strong executive powers, which, uh, if you read about them, would be very concerning. Uh, the, the, all I know is that it appears that that has played itself out in the ACL case. But 
also on the positive side, if you push back now, it's much easier to get a desired outcome. If you wait, if you hesitate, if you just let nature take its course, then down the track, it's much harder to get things that can be tyrannical to also be reversed. Jenny, thank you so much for your call. Talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Penny is in Tasmania. Hello, Penny. Welcome. Good morning to um, Neil and good morning to you, um, Camille Mashley. How are you? Well, Penny, you might like to get uh, good, that, thank you. that radio turned down in the background, but that's good. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'll just go into another room. Now, I will tell you today that I'm actually going to have a COVID test um, only because my doctor has requested it and I said I would do that because I believed I believe in being um, <clears throat> obedient to God for who he is and so that's my reasoning, uh, I'm not keen to have it, but I, I hear it's painless, so that'll do me. Um, what I wanted to ask was, um, <coughs> um, Camille, if I may call you just Camille, um, what if I or someone else refuse to have that test and refuse to have the needle. What do you think might be a consequence of that as far as Christians go and as far as the, what the church believes? Penny, uh, get a response from Camille and uh, you're talking about vaccination here and uh, there is no compulsory uh, vaccination anywhere in Australia, although there is pressure that's coming on. But, uh, Camille, a response here for Penny? Well, I do believe in a free society there should be no coercion, even if there are desired outcomes, say, from a governmental level. Free people are free people, period. Now, of course, if you, in anything in a free society, take a stance that is different to, say, what is mandated governmentally. There may be a price to pay, hopefully a minor price, but I, I would just say people have to do whatever they do in faith, and if it's not of faith, then what does Paul say? If whatever is not of faith is sin. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to go against your conscience if you feel very strongly about any kind of issue let alone that which revolves around COVID. But I would just say that we do what we're required to do within reason, but when it mitigates against faith and family, then we need to make a stand, even though there may be, as I said, a price to pay for it. We need to, we need, by the way, in times like these, we need to be strong and courageous, just as God told Joshua and I say that advice stands true even until now. 
Penny in Tasmania, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. Camille, let me just reflect a thought or two that's come through our Facebook question today and listeners can respond to that Facebook question at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Asking today, do you think there is a link between COVID lockdowns and the demise of religious freedom? Selena says, as long as you can still access weekly church services and share the gospel, then I'd be inclined to say there isn't a link between lockdowns and the demise of religious freedoms. I know online isn't the same as in-person services, but connection is better than nothing at all. Camille, a quick thought here for Selena? I I appreciate what Selena's trying to say, but I also believe it is important in a free society, and everything I know about Australia, it is a free society, or at least up till now has been. Don't take freedom for granted. Ronald Reagan was renowned for the statement that freedom is only one generation away from extinction. It has to be watched vigilantly. There is a fragility in human freedom in free societies. There will always be attempts to subvert freedom in the name of a higher good or in the case of an emergency. And so, look, not that there is a deliberate government attempt always to hinder the church, but whether it's deliberate or whether it's inadvertent, it really needs to be monitored and responded to strongly when the line is crossed. The question is, do you think there's a link between COVID lockdowns and the demise of religious freedom? Carolyn responded with a yes. There has to be. The world is turning what God calls sin, same-sex attraction, abortion, euthanasia, etc., and normalizing and weaponizing sin to use against Jesus' people. Sin brings God's judgment calling good evil and evil good. Uh, Interesting word in there, weaponizing. Uh, Your thoughts, Camille, for Carolyn? Yeah, I took note of her weaponizing too. It was uh, very well stated. I think that uh, it can be used to harm the church, but it's not just COVID lockdowns. It's it's a continual assault on Judeo-Christian values, which, of course, are what not only distinguished Western civilization, but has been the bedrock of Western civilization with all the freedoms and opportunities we have. In fact, basically, Western civilization is just another word for Judeo-Christian morals and ethics. These have been fought against, oh, for a long time, especially since, well, it was the 18th century and some philosophers of the Enlightenment. But you look, COVID lockdowns and religious freedom uh, don't necessarily have to be linked. They can be mutually exclusive. I think it just depends place to place because what's happened in Australia is different to what's happened in the United States. It's different to what happened in Britain. Britain has religious freedom protections and the churches, I just got this from one of the pastors, he says, apart from the initial early lockdown, the church has been relatively open ever since. So that's a very interesting comment coming out of the United Kingdom. But it's so what I'm getting at, Neil, it varies from place to place. But there will be some authorities, like the governor of California, who's being recalled, amazing uh, counterpunch 
from the grassroots people there, because one of the reasons he was rebuked in courts was for his anti-Christian bias. So not everyone will do it that way, but some have used it. But fortunately in California, they did fight back. Sat is in Sydney. Hello, Sat. Welcome along. Hi, good morning. How are you? Very Just well. Just a quick one. Um, remember when Jesus used a coin and he said, what belongs to God, give to God. What belongs to the emperor, give to emperor. So how do you, in circumstances like this, uh, it's very difficult to draw the balance. Beautiful illustration, Sat. Jesus holding up the coin. Uh, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Render unto God what is God's. Uh, your thoughts here, Camille? Sure. Thank you, Sat, for that uh, comment. The uh, context, of course, Jesus was talking about paying taxes. Do we pay taxes to Caesar? But I guess we can extend that too. Do we obey Caesar? And I understand the New Testament, we obey Caesar until Caesar becomes ridiculous and unreasonable and tells us to do things that are against what God has taught us or what God commands us, and in which case we ought to obey God rather than man. So I think in regard to COVID and government rulings and regulations, we obey the government unless or until it goes too far and tells us to violate conscience, faith, or family. And then we have to respond accordingly. Sat in Sydney, thank you so much for your call. Another response to that Facebook question, and we're running short of time, but James says, I believe it's a practice run for socialism slash communism. I have a friend who grew up in communist Romania, and he said when we were discussing the political climate at the start of covid that he could smell communism coming. Uh, any thoughts for James here, Camille? Well, yes. I believe there. these observations are not misplaced that have been just given. I, I do think there are some checks and balances and, shall we say, hurdles and potholes along the way to communism, or basically what we would call totalitarianism, where the government basically basically replaces God and the government is the boss. In free societies, the people are meant to be the boss, not the government. The, when you go from the people ruling to the government ruling, yes, then you have a totalitarian thing. We've seen those kind of things happening already, and I don't discount the experiences of those that grew up behind the Iron Curtain. So it's something to watch. It's not imminent, in my opinion, that it's a communist takeover, but Look, uh, anything's possible if the church and people of goodwill remain silent. So, uh, again, we need to be watchmen on the walls spiritually, but yes, I think also politically and community-wise, we still have a voice. We would do well to use it where necessary. We hear this terminology from time to time, COVID tyranny. And so the connection between the two, Camille, uh, as a Christian, I wonder whether we can just simplify this, uh, boil it down to something we can have as a takeaway from our conversation today, the idea of remaining vigilant, uh, being an an understanding of the times type of person. Uh, what's your thoughts here for the Christian who is thinking about these changing times and saying, where do we navigate this pathway forward? 
Well, as I said earlier, Neil, we need to have spiritual discernment. There are governmental authorities who very sincerely and very nobly are trying to protect the population and have a difficult decision to make of whether to lock down or what to do about vaccines or what to do about public safety. I do believe there's others who are power-hungry opportunists, and they are using the crisis of the pandemic as a power grab. But we need to be careful we don't broad-stroke everybody. We need discernment. And where there has been too much grabbing of power or asserting of power, then we still have a say. I mean, we have that in the United Kingdom where there have been protests over lockdown. They're having mass protests in Europe because they just said the government's gone too far. The term I've heard used and the one I have employed myself is COVID fascism. And one of the things that may happen is the government will say, a government, that is COVID fascist. They might be clever and say, look, we're not going to restrict anybody, but they will nudge private business to start restricting people who don't take the test or who don't get vaccinated. All this, again, needs to be watched, but with discernment, we will get our facts right, we will target what needs to be targeted, and then we will respond in a way that is legal, God-honoring, nonviolent, of course, but we respond. And I found that when people respond up till now, it does get a much needed pushback. So keep up the good work. Well, we do have to draw a line under our conversation today. Dr. Camille Majdali, who leads Teach All Nations, uh, we mentioned the Understanding the Times tour, and uh, there were uh, something like five years of tours, and uh, listeners all around Australia will perhaps uh, remember the opportunity to connect personally, face-to-face, and hear Camille delivering his Understanding the Times message. Well, this year, uh, because of COVID, there is another online event. The, uh, the title of the topic that Camille's covering this year on the 7th of October is Reset or Revival. And uh, no doubt, some of the sorts of things we're talking about today will come out into uh, that presentation. Camille also has a new book out. It's called The Prophet from Babylon, Understanding the Book of Daniel. It's available now in the Vision Store. Simply go to the Vision website, vision.org.au, and you'll be able to access Camille's new book, The Prophet from Babylon, Understanding the Book of Daniel. There's also numerous books from Camille in the Vision Store, vision.org.au and you can connect with Camille and uh, subscribe to his Issachar Teaching e-letter. You can do that through his website at teachallnations, tan.org.au. That's tan.org.au. Camille, uh, great getting your insights. Thanks so much for staying up late to uh, uh, talking to us from the UK today and uh, really appreciate you and look forward to our next get-together. Thank you, Neil, and God bless Australia. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.